0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 55. Of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up and comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend. The co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry.
2: Hey, hey, hey! How's everything
1: going? All good. So I figure maybe we uh, we guest name or we nickname this episode as the Sammy Hagar episode. <laughs> he can't. He can't drive fifty-five.
2: <laughs> I like your style. You know, you throw me off. Once you quit. Uh, once you quit pulling out the interesting quips, you know, based on my Instagram profile feel like the entire dynamic has, has changed here. Once I stop lurking and trolling you.
1: In the last episode, we discussed the best time to begin touring. That was a really cool episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PC manage mental and get 15 that's one five percent off your entire order this week we have a special guest our buddy dave cool from BandZoogle.com, and we talk about uh band marketing and uh, importantly why websites are so important to your marketing strategy this is going to be killer so let's get mental
2: real quick Dave cool like (laughs) Dave I gotta ask say you're based in Montreal where I would say it's not just cool it's downright cold especially this time of year but you know how has that affected you in your life having a name that is dare I say it so cool
0: well um when I was a kid it negatively affected my life (laughs) uh, for sure um it invited a lot of uh harassment, but, um, and it was funny when I was a musician, an active musician, I was a drummer for various punk rock bands up here in Montreal for many years and people thought it was a stage name. I was like, that would be the lamest (laughs) stage name ever. So, um, and then now, you know, I've been working for Banzoogle now for seven years and I travel quite a bit, uh, for the company going to music conferences. And so, you know, every hotel, airport I go to, it's, it's, hello, Mr. Cool. And then people catch themselves saying that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you know, it's hilarious. And for better or for worse, people tend to remember who I am. So, you know, I guess that's a good thing, but you know, it's a daily thing no matter where I go, if it's corner store, groceries, whatever, if I have to show ID or hand in a credit card, people are like, wait, what?
2: That's pretty amazing. Any notable punk rock bands, you know, Blasco and I like to like to come from the underground uh, or Actually, I should say we both come from the underground uh, music scenes as well. So any, anyone of note?
0: No, not really. I mean, uh, a lot of just weekend warriors did some short tours, signed to some small, you know, indie labels up here in Quebec, but uh, nothing nothing noteworthy that you guys would have heard about, just all in the underground scene here in uh, Montreal, playing clubs and venues that uh, I wasn't legally allowed to be in.
2: Yeah, we've we've probably been to one or two of <laughs> yeah. ourselves. I mean... I will say one of the things that, you know, is a recurring theme at least in my career and I'm sure Blasco can echo it is, you know, most of us that have done things whether they're punk, metal, you name it, but having had to do them DIY if you will or having learned, you know, so many of the skills that we've all learned from doing things DIY. I think it does give us a little bit of a different perspective and Dare I say an advantage when it comes to doing things, especially in today's modern music business? It's like there is so much hands-on stuff and so much stuff that you've got to do yourself. So, how has that? How has that helped helped you in what you're doing now?
0: I mean, it helps a lot, obviously, because I can understand the experience of you know most musicians who are doing it themselves. Um, you know, I know what it's like to sleep in the van and have shows fall through and not get paid for gigs and struggle to get people out to your shows and that all, that whole thing. So it's, it helps in that way just to be able to relate uh, to musicians and what they're going through. And, you know, Banzo was founded by a musician. I mean, it, he, Chris Vinson is a bass player and he played in you know, one of the biggest rock bands in, in Canada it was signed to a, the biggest major label up here. And the company kind of happened by accident when he had to design all the, uh, websites on the label because he was a web designer and everyone would bug him you know update this tour date update this bio and he got overwhelmed and said you know what guys here's a control panel that I coded here's your login leave me alone just update it yourself and banzogel was born by accident and uh, you know most of us at the company are either musicians ourselves or married to one you know we definitely when we're talking musicians we we, we can relate to uh, the stuff that they're going through the the good and the bad
1: yeah I mean Dave there's there's a lot of really uh Great platforms out there for musicians. Like, I think most notably, the ones that get the, the most action would be uh, Big Cartel and Bandcamp. Give us a little bit of insight for um, Band Zoogle and what exactly that does and, and how that either uh, complements. Um, So, you know, those other platforms or, you know, just tell us a little bit about it.
0: Sure. Yeah. So it's basically an all-in-one platform specifically built for musicians. So you can build a professional website. We have over a hundred mobile-friendly themes that you can completely customize. Um, So from a design perspective, you can really brand it how you want, um, you get hosting included, you get your custom domain included. So you got your kind of home base set up online. But because you know we're founded by musicians and it's really a platform for musicians, all the features that we've built over the last 14 years really go deep in terms of functionality for, for musicians. So our music players have a ton of functionality. Um, so you can sell music commission free, you can sell merch commission free, you can sell tickets for shows commission free. Uh, I think we crossed 35 million um, commission-free sales, if I'm not mistaken. So all that money has gone to bands, Google members, which makes us really happy. And, you know, you can blog, you can have your events and run your mailing list all in one place. And, you know, Bandcamp is an interesting one because some bands use Bandcamp for their website. They just point their domain, which is cool. But, the, you know, you're limited in terms of what you can do with your Bandcamp page. And we actually, we're the only website platform that has an integration with Bandcamp. So, Rather than embedding your Bandcamp player on your website, you just put your link to your Bandcamp album and it imports the music, skins the player to match whatever theme and colors you have. So if you change your theme, change colors, the Bandcamp player will switch with it automatically so it looks like it's been designed into the site. And so it's just an easier way, especially for record labels who have a lot of artists on their roster and they're building out websites and if they don't want to re-upload all their music, they could just if they're already on Bandcamp, they just put the link to the albums and it Immediately um, ports it onto their site, so that's one way we're complementary with Bandcamp and Big Cartel. You know, like we sell merch; you can sell merch through our store, commission free, but we don't do fulfillment, so that's a big difference. So it's more DIY oriented. So if you sell a T-shirt, you got to send that T-shirt. We don't take a cut of sales; that's the trade-off. But if you're selling merch through the store feature, you got to ship it out yourself. And we're just about to launch actually uh, an integration with Stripe for payments and Easy Post to make shipping a lot easier, so you can print labels. Set the um, the shipping totals with the different carriers, whether it's FedEx, UPS, you know, USPS, that whole thing. So we're we're trying to as our member base gets more savvy and are selling more, and you know a lot of the new features we add to the platform are based on our member requests. So as more people are looking for more options uh, with e-commerce, we're you know constantly adding adding to that. So I would say that's, that's how we differ. It's really an, more of an all-in-one where you get your website, your e-commerce marketing, um, all built into, uh, into one place.
1: Right. And then as a destination, so, you know, here, the way that we, we run the podcast is, is I find an article usually like on digital music news or HypeBot or, or somewhere associated with that. And then, you know, we kind of break it down and dissect it. So, um, People listening should know that not only is Bandzoogle a place where you can, you know, build your website and e-commerce platform, how, but however, you guys do have resources there, like this article that I found, and so it was uh, on Bandzoogle.com on one of your blog posts, and it was. Uh, now, do you guys have in-house writers? I think this was a guest post by a girl named uh, Lisa Ochino, who I'm I'm not familiar with or whatever, but is she a regular writer for you guys? Is this more of a guest post?
0: She is actually, and she was the blog editor for Sonic Bits for many years and is now over at Soundfly, which is like a music education website. She's a, a brilliant writer. And um, you know, the blog, the Banzoogle blog, I appreciate you guys checking out the blog. It, it is my baby at the company. I for the first six years when I was working for bands Eagle, I was hired initially to write blog posts cause I'd been doing a lot of writing and releasing eBooks on my own. And, um, I wrote over 500 blog posts myself, those first <laughs> five ish years. And now I edit the blogs. So we have an internal writers. So that's usually our, some of our staff when it, anything related to website, best practices, design tips, things like that we do internally. And for the more marketing advice, um, there's a bunch of freelance writers that we work with, um, depending on, you know, what their knowledge is or their skills are I'll you know, I'll assign posts to different people, um, to get the best, you know, article possible on that subject. So, you know, we have regular writers like Lisa, and then we have some one-offs depending on the subject. And, you know, we're talking to musicians of all genres. So we've got, you know, writers who specialize for beat producers or for DJs or, you know, singer songwriters, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, we put a lot of time and energy into that blog and release you know three to four posts every week. We've got free ebooks on the blog page, free webinars.
1: Um, so music education is a big, big part of what we do um, as a company. That's awesome. And so uh, anyway, so this post, is uh, we'll include the link in the show notes as usual. Um, it was titled 13 Essential Marketing Strategies. I did, however, whittle it down to the what I figured to be the uh, top three most important. So uh, we'll break those down today. Number one, use your email newsletter. Your email list as an incredibly valuable direct line to your most dedicated fans. You have no control over Facebook's ever-changing newsfeed algorithm, but you can always use your newsletter to reach the people who want to hear from you the most. So um, I subscribe to newsletters. I think news, uh, you know, building your email list is uber important uh, in this day and age, especially given the scope of the the new Facebook algorithms and it's se- seemingly the. Um, Instagram algorithms that seem to be changing on a, on a regular basis as well. I also think the idea of doing text marketing, even though that's a, a little bit more expensive, I feel like that is a, a good thing to dig into get, if you have that kind of fan base. Um, but what, what's your guys' thoughts on uh, bands having newsletters?
2: Yeah, let me, let me hop in here first. And, uh, you know, did you say texting as well? Blasto? I did, yes. Yeah, because that's one of the things that's so interesting to me as the demographics change and, you know, Dave, so much of what Blasco and I are doing here is targeting, developing artists, which, you know, doesn't mean that they have to be young, but typically does mean that they're young and oftentimes means that they've got a younger fan base. And just from even working with our own clients, I find that most of the people in their 20s, I can get them on text much quicker than I can get them on email. That said, email is still incredibly effective as a way to market. But I'm curious, you know, not only do we talk about Facebook and Instagram's ever-changing algorithms, but you know, for those of us that lived through the MySpace days and watched it, you know, disappear and then Facebook up here, who knows what's going to, you know, <laughs> which platform is going to be the most dominant in the, you know, years to come. All of that said, if we are just saying use your email list, what is some of the ways, Dave, that you guys are encouraging people or seeing people drive You know, drive people to sign up for their email list. I presume you're directing them to the website that, of course, Banzoogle can help create. So I'm curious, you know, what which strategies of getting people to sign up have been effective in in your guys' experience?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great point about MySpace as well. (laughs) Like I always tell musicians, like sadly, there was no copy my friends from MySpace to Facebook. Like you had to start over again on the new social media platform. Whereas your email database, you own that. So
2: Well well and, and real quick, one thing that yeah. Blasco and I do like to point out, and I, I always try to do this because I don't think a lot of people recognize it. There's some bands out there that were thriving. When MySpace was at its peak and started the decline and then Facebook came in and they've got these massive fan bases on Facebook, you know, they've got these massive numbers just because of when their fan base was at its peak. But now they're, you know, in the years since because Facebook's been around, what, nine, 10 years at this point? You know, their fan base, even though they've still got tons and tons of likes, that fan base isn't as engaged. So that's just another interesting aside. OK, so you were here for the MySpace days. You're yeah. old like Blasco and me. <laughs> yep. so, so how are, yeah, how are people getting people, you know, how are bands, artists getting people to sign up for their newsletter?
0: I mean, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is, first and foremost, make it easy for people to sign up. You know, we tell most musicians, like, there should be on your website, when someone lands on your website, which is usually going to be the homepage, you, you should have a clear call to action. And that's just something you want, an action you want people to take, you know, as soon as they land on your site. And nine times out of ten, it should be to try to collect their email address. Um, because that's going to be more valuable to you going forward. So generally, we encourage people to first and foremost, have a call to action to sign up to your mailing list right on your homepage, your website. Now, just having it there is not enough, of course, but it's a first step. And then, you know, the, the standard had become offering a free download. And You can actually automate that through our platform where you can offer a free download for a track or even a full album. Um, in exchange for an email address. And I think as time has gone on, you know, a free download, that currency doesn't, you know, it's not as valuable as it once was. So we encourage musicians to think about exclusivity. So maybe it could still be a song or an album, but make it exclusive to mailing list members. So a track, an unreleased track or a live album or a demo EP or something that you can't find anywhere else that your fans can only get by signing up to your mailing list. I've seen some of our members offer exclusive video content to their mailing list subscribers or um, automatically entering them into a contest to win free merch, that kind of thing. So any way you can make it more interesting to to convince someone to give you their email address, um, the better.
2: So it really is a give and a take. You're gonna Mm -hmm. give us your email. Actually, we're gonna take your email (laughs) and we're gonna give you something that's of value that you can't get elsewhere. With streaming becoming the dominant way that people are consuming music, if you've already got something that's released, it it really doesn't make sense to give them just that. That's what you're saying, right?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's enough anymore, to be honest. It might be in some cases, but I think exclusivity, uh, anything that you can offer that's of value that people can't find anywhere else, um, I think is the best way to go.
2: I had another question in regards to this. So Once you get that email, do you guys you know recommend anything on the frequency at which you contact people with a newsletter um i mean i'm sure there's a saturation point where if you're sending something every single day it's a bit overload but if you're only using it twice a year you know is that effective is there any guidelines that you guys have on your site or just anything that you've recognized or you know or would recommend from experience
0: you know it really depends on your fan base uh, they'll 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 let you know whether directly or through the the data that you're seeing of unsubscribes or, you know, open rates and that fun stuff. So to your point, daily, likely way too often, uh, twice a year, not not enough uh, to keep people in the loop. So we normally suggest, you know, once a month, once every couple of months and sprinkle in maybe special announcements in there as well when there's something big going on, whether if you're launching a crowdfunding campaign or a new album or, you know, announcing a new tour, that kind of thing, you can throw those in as extras if need be. But generally speaking, if you're communicating through email once a month, that's a pretty good clip.
1: Yeah. Number two, have a website. Investing in a great band website is one of the most important things you can do to maximize your marketing efforts. No matter how many newsletters you send out or how many Facebook ads you run, a poorly designed, outdated website, or no website at all, will hurt your credibility and give off the impression that you're not serious about your music. When done right, your band website acts as the central hub for everything. You have full control over the user experience and the data, and you can sell your music and merch direct to fan. So yeah, I think there was a moment whenever I wasn't on board with the... Uh, a website scenario, like I I'd probably just point people to to uh, Facebook or, or MySpace or somewhere that was easier to update because none of these band dudes or myself knows how to code and change stuff and you always relying on a third party that was always, un, you know, unreliable. But uh, but now with things like, you know, these platforms that we're talking about, obviously Banzoogle or whatever, it's much easier for bands to build a website themselves without needing to know how to code or any, you know, like intelligence in that, in that regard. And, um, and it is good to, I mean, for nothing else, just messaging of like, go check us out, ourbandname.com, like that, rather than some like backslash complicated bit.ly link thing or whatever. Like it's always better just to be able to put the put them right to your, bandname.com and there is a central hub of which you can then link to everything out you know outwards from there right is that a pretty good perspective of what we're what we're dealing with now
0: That is exactly it yeah we, we kind of we viewed it kind of as a hub and spokes thing where your your website is your hub so you drive fans there first um like with yeah, it shows like exactly like what you said you know like give your website URL out first drive fans there it serves a few purposes one You'll collect the data from when they land on your site. Where are they from? How did they find you? What link did they click on? So that's that's really valuable for your marketing going forward. And secondly, you can obviously you should put on your website which social media platforms that you're active on. Don't put every link to every social media platform you've ever been on. Don't put, you know, Google Plus or MySpace anymore, or whatever the case may be. You know, if you're active on Instagram and, and Twitter, put those. If you're most active on Facebook and Instagram, put those. And that way the fan can be like, oh, cool, like. You know, I like spending time on Instagram. I'm going to follow them on Instagram so that they can find all of your information in one place. But it's really that that initial data that you're going to collect is really valuable as well. And then they can connect with you on social media um, from there um, after having visited your website.
2: And so if an artist comes to a Banzoogle developed or hosted um, website. How easy is it for somebody to get access to that data? And, you know, do you guys have some tools and and tips that, you know, some best practices in regards to what to do with that data? Because what I find, you know, even myself, as Blasco mentions, I mean, we're managers, you know, but as we all know, or at least as Blasco and I know, you know, managers kind of have to do everything or at least, you know, try to oversee everything. And sometimes it's like, okay, great. We've got this place. We've got a website set up. We're able to collect this data. Now, what do we do with it? So yeah, I guess my question is, what what is your backend that allows people to look at what data is coming in? And then are there recommendations of what you actually, or what the artist should actually be doing with that data? Yeah, definitely. And
0: and so one when one of our members signs into their account, logs into their account, um, there's a reports tab. And when you click on that, we actually A few months ago, we launched our own internal reporting. You can still connect to Google Analytics if you want, which is what we have been using for years. But we launched our own internal data and reporting so you can get, you know, your website visits, where the visitors are from, what links brought them there, what people are searching for when they land on your site. But we also add in things like music plays, downloads, your mailing list stats, sales, all in one dashboard. And so you can see on a map even uh, where your streams and downloads are happening. And so that can that can give you insight into where you could be booking shows or booking tours. And so in that reports dashboard, we do link out to some articles for each section, just be like either how to drive more plays or more traffic or what to do with that data. You know, once you're, once you're looking at it. Cool.
2: One other question that I have, cause you know, as we dig more and more into this stuff, not only on this podcast, but in our careers, you know, I hear things like a Facebook pixel that people mm-hmm. embed into their websites. Um, and I believe there's other types of pixels as well. Is that something that you guys are, are incorporating or is that an add on that somebody would have to do uh, separate from your platform?
0: So that's a great question. It's one we've been getting more and more often as Bands realize we're talking about the algorithms before, you know, it's it's kind of pay to play now on Facebook. And so when you're running boosted posts or or Facebook ads, you want to drive them somewhere. So you need that Facebook pixel. So it is on the way, I would say, probably not in a matter of weeks, but within the next couple of months, um, artists will be able to embed their Facebook pixel into the store so that to be able to track more directly, um, those Facebook campaigns and whether they converted. So it's it is on the
2: way. Cool. And for all you listeners out there, if that's over your head, it's totally fine. It's still probably a little bit even over my head, Blasco. You might be the expert on uh, Facebook Pixels, but uh, <laughs> maybe not. But as I'm talking more and more with you know the the people that are helping us with our web stuff, uh, not only for my company but also for my coaching platform, you name it. These are the types of conversations that we're having. So I thought I would ask because I, I am finding yes, people want that, that insight. Just as you're able to provide them data for people coming to their site, you want to be able to target it specifically to you know those platforms like Facebook. so
1: Yes. Uh, the final number three, engage your fans. As you've read through these strategies, you've probably gathered by this point that it all really boils down to this. Build genuine relationships that turn your casual fans into devoted super fans and they'll supplement all of your efforts with the most powerful marketing of all. Word of mouth. It obviously requires consistent hard work to engage and nurture your fans, but those super fans are the key to building a legitimate, long-lasting music career. And I couldn't agree more. This is very well said. Um, what types of strategies, from your perspective, Dave, can, um, can you know, it's, it's one thing saying that you need to turn your casual fans into super fans, but what strategies, from your perspective, can actually make that uh, transition occur?
0: Yeah, it's funny, whenever I talk about engaging with your fan base, I kind of frame it, and it's, it's, God, it's not the sexiest way to frame it, but I I really view it as part of a musician's job now, Mm -hmm. is every day you have to engage with your fans in some way. And if you're most active on Instagram, then you're logging to Instagram every day, you're posting new content, asking your fans questions, always, some of the basics are just always at least thank, fans for their comments or questions, respond to their questions. Um, you know, fans, chances are they're following a bunch of different artists and bands online. And if one of them is always consistently posting content and responding to your questions or acknowledging you, you know, that's, that's probably going to make your day. And if other bands aren't, then you might start tuning them out a little bit. So obviously it gets to a point in your career with, if you have tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of fans, you know, that kind of thing is, is next to impossible. But even then, if you're doing a little bit every day, just showing that you are active, you are listening, that you are, you know, on their level and in and, and hearing what they're saying and, and appreciating their involvement in your career, then I think that goes a long way.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, you know, it's, there's not a lot of information out there, right? Like, I think a lot of times the narrative is like, you got to be on social media. And to the average musician, like, what does that even mean? Like, like, I, like, I'm posting a picture of my guitar leaning against my app in the, re- the leaning against my amp in the in the rehearsal room? Like, is is that social media? And then I just put that up. And then, and then people but then people comment, and I don't know that I'm supposed to go in there. And like, Comment back and, and and create engagement and and conversations like like you know what I mean. I, I feel like there's just like a lack of information and people are out there trying to figure it out for themselves. But but simply put, like I feel you're right. I feel like there needs to be a level of consistency. I feel like like you gotta you gotta find something to post on a uh, on a daily or semi daily basis, whatever your rhythm is. You gotta kind of stick to it and then. As people comment and like, it's like go to their photo and like one of theirs. As they comment, reply, mm-hmm. start a conversation, heart heart their comment, or you know whatever. Like go on there, search your hashtag, likes like all the photos that people are posting. Like on your on your hashtag, fuck it, man, create your own hashtag. You know that's like band my band fan you know hashtag or whatever and and get people to to, you know start to post there so you have a designated place to where you can engage with them you know i think there's a shit ton of of strategies out there but i feel like the the sticking point for a lot of these people is they just they don't know where to begin
2: yeah and i think i I mean that's a good point because sometimes even (laughs) i think myself you know as i sit here and even as we do the podcast blasco sometimes you want to figure out how to engage and might not know exactly what the best practice is. But just like with the email newsletter, you know, I think so much of it is trial and error. And especially for developing artists, like you have, you know, the liberty and the freedom to really experiment and figure out what works and make some mistakes with what doesn't work at a level that, you know, artists... You know such as the ones that we're managing blasco don't really have as much of leniency you know they've already got these massive established fan base, and if they make a misstep, you know it's in front of everybody, so that would be my recommendation to everybody is you know figure out what works for you I mean, as we know, there's some artists where engagement and and sitting behind the scenes is you know is should and can be less of a strategy than those who you know need to be on the forefront and need to be doing it um as frequently as you know they can so I, that isn't really an answer necessarily of of what to do other than just get out there and get started frankly, yeah
1: and yeah i works. agree and look like you know my, my my summary here is is you know this episode in some ways is bringing it back to the bringing it back to the core basics. Like I feel like sometimes it's just like with the amount of information out there, it's very easy to get overwhelmed and then just end up getting stuck in the mud. So I, I like I, I always think that this podcast is great in that we always try and take it back to the basics because the basics is what's important. And the, the str- and the agenda here is to build a fan base with no fan base, man, no career right? So it's like, you got to have a fan base. You got to have someone to talk to. So I think even though it's, even though it's basic, even though this is one-on-one stuff, it is stuff that can get overlooked in this amount of information that's being fed to us all every day. So, you know, have an email list, have a website and engage your fans. Very basic, but super, super, super important. Um, So that's my uh, summary uh, ending wrap up here. What about you guys?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Blasco, of course, that's what we love to do is is knock it down to the basics. And Dave, your insight has been in incredibly helpful and hopefully instrumental to our listeners and, and guys out there. Let us know what you think of this episode at askblasco at gmail.com. Dave, I just want to say thanks for coming on. It's really awesome for you to reach out to us. Is there any last things you want to tell us, you know, sort of the general highlights of what Banzoogle is and and kind of what people can expect when they go there. I mean, first and foremost, where should they go uh, if they like what they're hearing here and need a website for for themselves or for one of the artists that they work with?
0: Yeah, awesome. So they just go to banzoogle.com and we actually set up a special promo code for your listeners. You know, Banzoogle, we have three different plans and they start at eight Dollars and twenty nine cents a month, which includes your custom domain name and hosting, plus all the design tools and all that fun stuff. Um, it's free to try for thirty days, regardless. But if you enter the promo code Mental, you'll get fifteen percent off uh, your first year um, of any subscription of any of the plans, whether it's monthly or um, an annual subscription. And on annual subscriptions, you actually get two months free anyway, so you're getting a website for pretty cheap at that point. But in terms of you know what people should expect to find, I mean, we were talking before about. You know, Blasco, you were saying, like, back in the day, there wasn't any platforms where it was, like, easy to, like, update your website and do it yourself. I'd like to perpetuate this. It's not our official company slogan, but I tell people, Bands Eagle's so easy, your drummer could do it. Right. And so, <laughs> it's funny, and I'm a drummer, but one of our support team members knows i, I like to perpetuate this slogan, and, and she sent me a help ticket that was written in by a band, and they're like, please help us, our drummer messed up our website. I was like, ah! <laughs> But anyway, so it's really easy to use. It's all point and click. You don't have to code anything. Um, all the templates, you can customize the colors, the fonts, but it's all point and click. Uh, you can sell your music, your merch and tickets right on your website. Totally commission free. We don't take any kind of sales. We're talking about the importance of email newsletters. You can run your mailing list and collect emails right through your uh, your website. You can import um, your database of emails to our mailing list tool to use it there and if you ever decide to leave or use a different mailing list service like a Mailchimp or something like that you can of course, download that database. Your 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 custom domain and your email list belong to you. If you use Banzoogle, if you decide to leave one day for whatever reason, you take those with you. The, those are your property that are extremely valuable to your career. Um, and we got a ton of integrations. I mentioned Bandcamp earlier, but we have integrations with Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Pledge Music, Bands in Town. A lot of the tools that musicians are already using, we find ways to integrate them so it's more seamless on their website. And I would say one of the biggest benefits um one of our best features um, at the company is our support team they're online seven days a week uh, live chat and email they're all musicians themselves or at least married to one uh super friendly super helpful whenever i travel to conferences and speak to our members it is the number one thing people tell me is your support team is awesome so if you ever need any help or have any questions you just go to your account or even just go to bandzoogle.com there's a live chat icon there you can Ask them questions if you need anything.
2: Sounds pretty freaking incredible. Uh, And I got two final questions for you. One, what was the name of the band that uh, your founder was in? Rubberman. Rubberman. Not one that I'm familiar with, but uh, as we all know, there's plenty of acts that are massive in Canada (laughs) (laughs) and never have success. Well, you guys
0: may have heard of, the singer for that band was Jonas, who still has a solo career of some note up here in Canada, but, um,
2: we can't see one another, but we're nodding our head in unison. <laughs> no, like, yeah. Uh-huh, sure. Like, yeah, sure. Dave. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, we feel you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, last but not least, I know you've, you've been there. It sounds like about half the time that the company has been around, but what the heck is a zoogle? Where did that come from?
0: You know, I think the story was that Chris, uh, realized he had to, you know, start a business and open up a bank account. And had to come up with a name like at the teller of the bank. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think uh, that's what came up. Uh, he came up with, and uh, it is admittedly that's
2: probably pre Google, even. Right? It's
0: around the same time, I think. Okay. So
2: yeah, so Google I, had been taken. He was going to be banned <laughs> Google, but <after laughs> he went to go on Ask Jeeves. Does the website Ban Google exist? <laughs> yeah. And, uh,
0: Exactly. So it's a bit of a, you know, a funny name. But, uh, you know, we've been around for 14 years. And, and, you know, a lot of our competitors out there, I mean, two of our biggest ones both took out Super Bowl ads last weekend. I mean, we're a independently run and owned company, you know, from the start, have never taken any you know, venture capitalist funding or anything like that. So we're, we're kind of a DIY music tech company. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, now we power over, you know, 34,000 websites for bands around the world. So it's, it's a, it's a cool little company. I, you know, I was actually using Bandzoogle long before I worked for them. Uh, they're based in Montreal where I grew up and, you know, I used their platform for, you know, my record label back in the day. And I made a documentary film about the music industry and built a website there. So, I, you know, I've been a fan of there since long before they, uh, They were paying my salary.
2: (laughs) Awesome. That's hey, that's as good as it gets right there.
1: Awesome. Well, folks, that concludes episode 55, the Sammy Hagar episode. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Dave Cool for joining us. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, final parting thoughts?
2: Just want to give a special shout out. Thanks, Dave. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. We don't have many guests. So thanks for doing that. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And you can find all things related to my coaching platform at outerloopcoaching.com. Where, if you give us your email, we will give you a free download of my music management primer, the intro to uh, music management. So head on over. And um, yeah, other than that, reminder that uh, Rockabilia is sponsoring us, and the code for 15% off over there is PC Managemental. And as Dave mentioned. If you head to bandzoogle.com and just use the code mental you get 15 percent off anything that you sign up for over there so it's awesome that uh we've got such great companies supporting us this episode and, and future episodes so thanks again that's all i got thanks everyone This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Ever wonder
1: what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11.